Hi, Chris. Hi, Farah. How are you? I'm well, thanks. So we've got a fantastic guest this week. Do you want to tell us a bit about him? Yes, uh, this week we've got Jack Parsons. He really is a a force of nature. Um, he's the first guest we've had who's under thirty. And to be honest with you, I think he may he's certainly the youngest guest we've had so far, and maybe the youngest we'll ever have. He really is old beyond his years in a very good way, and I can't wait for everybody to hear the interview. I think our audience is going to love this episode. I know that when we recorded it, I was truly, genuinely inspired listening to Jack. So this week's quick fire round is actually themed around youth culture. Shall we go for it? Well, as you know, Fari, youth culture is a, a very a subject that I'm very, very strong on. So let's go. <laughs> exactly. I can't wait to hear your answers and uh, the potential ridicule that will follow. <laughs> yes, yeah, me too. <laughs> Clubhouse or LinkedIn stories? Well, obviously, they're both right in the middle of youth culture, as we both know. My 13-year-olds are rarely off LinkedIn stories, uh, but uh, <laughs> it, they are even more enthusiastic about sitting, listening to people talk about themselves on Clubhouse. So I'm going for that. Pub or club? Pub every time for me. I can't really see you clubbing too much. No, and it would be better if nobody ever had. <laughs> and finally, trainers, Yeezys or Air Jordans? <laughs> Um, Yeezys, because uh, one of my favourite albums of all time is by Kanye West. Have you got a pair, Chris? Uh, they got <laughs> lost in the post. I'm not sure where they are, unfortunately. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Intelligence Squared. I'm Chris Hurst, author of No Bullshit Leadership, and in my day job, I'm global CEO of Havas Creative Group. Leadership is difficult, but not complicated. In this podcast series, I want to help you cut through the bullshit and get to the heart of modern leadership, which, put simply, is the power to get stuff done and make stuff happen. In each episode, I'm joined by a different inspirational leader who is doing just that, leading change in their worlds of business, sport, or politics. My guest today is the award-winning entrepreneur, Jack Parsons. He's the founder and CEO of The Youth Group, a business that works with the government and businesses to help provide young people with the tools and opportunities they need to get ahead in the world of work. Over 1.7 million young people across the world are part of The Youth Group community. In 2017, at the age of just 23, he was named Young Digital Leader of the Year and was this year listed in the top 15 young entrepreneurs to watch. Welcome to the podcast, Jack. Hi, Chris. We're going to start, as we always do, Jack, with a quick fire round just to get uh, just to get our juices flowing. So in three words, describe your leadership style. Bold, honest, kind. If you could delete any word from the business jargon dictionary, what would it be? Meetings. <laughs> Which leader do you most admire? Right now. The leader that I admire the most is the former president of Brazil. I just think he's an absolutely superstar. When he went into power, he took over 40 million people out of poverty and took GDP from 14 in the world to number seven. And he's just a working class superstar. And what's the best bit of advice you've ever been given? When you're too close to the elephant, step back because then you can see all the perspectives. What's the best decision you've ever made? Removing the chairman from my business. 
And everybody's favorite uh, question, not the people answering it, but the people listening, uh, what's the hardest decision you've ever made? Letting someone go who's a friend in the business. Yeah. So you've dedicated your career to the development of young people. You clearly care deeply and passionately about it. Tell us a bit about the mission of the youth group. I care with young people with all my art, Chris. I believe that young people from all walks of life need the support to be lifted up so we can help them navigate. Right now, it's very difficult for young people, regardless background, regardless gender, regardless whether they went to university or not. Navigation is very tough for young people. So our mission is to improve the odds for young people across the world so they can reach their full potential in work. It all starts with getting young people into sustainable employment so they can thrive in their future life. So for you, is it a case of massive lost potential then for society? Are we just leaving too many young people behind? I believe we're leaving a lot of young people behind. I believe that we need to level the playing field. We need to open the doors. And this is different industries. There's loads of different industries that leave young people behind. And it's how do we put the door in front of the young person so they can access it? And how do we help them access it? So I believe there's some big mispotential and the potential in young people. Everyone has talent. You just need to help nurture it. And so this isn't just a UK problem, of course, as well. It's globally in, in, in your experience. Is that the case? Absolutely. There's over 70 million people across the world right now who are trying to look for work. And we need to really support them. And that's young people, 70 million young people who can work but can't work because we haven't been able to give them the opportunity. We'll definitely come on and talk more about that in a few minutes. But before that, let's just take a a little step back and talk a bit about you and uh, your career. So like a lot of successful entrepreneurs, you started very, you still are young, but you started even younger. Um, So tell us a a little bit about what came before the youth group for you. I'll tell you a little bit about my journey and how I got to where I am. And I'll I'll try and do it in 90 seconds. So (laughs) I grew up in a council estate. Mum was an alcoholic. She was a violent alcoholic and mentally ill. She was only ever in free moods, drunk, violent, or asleep. And I went without dinner three nights a week. It was tough. I was bullied at home and I went to school and I was bullied because young people, they know the odd one out. And I just remember my mum being lost. She, she, she didn't know how to support. I became the carer at a young age. And I became, I became the grown-up at the age of five. I was the one phoning up the uh, BT man, mm-hmm. negotiating to make sure that they didn't cut off the bill because if they cut off the bill, then she would have uh, flipped out and got upset. So it was very tough. And it started changing when I had my first job opportunity at the age of 13. And this was a paper round. And my paper round paid me 15 quid. And I thought to myself, if I get up in the morning, before she wakes up, I can get out the door and then go straight to school afterwards and then miss that morning bullying. And I did this paper round and I started getting this 15 quid. And I thought to myself, what do I do with this 15 quid? I don't, I don't have any money anyway. What do I do? And I found out that there was this local judo club. So I went down to the judo and I invested my 15 quid into judo. And when you walk into judo, a bit like leadership, they, they say, don't judge anyone. Everyone's equal. And they learn you the difference between ego and confidence. And when you're thinking, Chris, 
you learn to swim. And I become a black belt in judo very quickly. And the bullying stopped. I got stronger. And as soon as my mum tried to whack me over the back with a frying pan, I was strong enough to take it off her and say, calm down. Mum got really ill, moved in with my dad. And he used to say to me, London Black Cab Driver, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's all about hard work. And I got myself, left school with no GCSEs and got my first apprenticeship. Outbound calling. Wasn't good at it, but absolutely loved it. To turn up to a place with older people, diversity of thought around the table to learn. From there, went into recruitment and was billing a million quid for an organization. And it was tough, but I was the first one in, last one to leave. I didn't even know I wanted to start my own business at this time. I just wanted to help teachers so they could help youth. And I saved enough money to set up my first business, which was a technology platform, which I grew to 8 million in 18 months, which focused on getting council kids, people just like me, into work. And we helped about 100,000 council kids get into work, which then led me on to run in the youth group. And the youth group uh, has a community of 1.7 million young people. We've helped over 90,000 young people flip their duvet flip. And we'll get on to what the duvet flip is and uh, be passionate and, and thrive in the workplace. And, and that's, that's, my, my, that's where it's all led to, Chris, and how I am here to, today. Let's let's talk about the duvet flip because I've I've heard you talk about that before. Let, let, just uh, explain to people what you mean by that. Back in May 2020, I, I'm a very I always see the glass half full. I, I I'm very resilient. If you say I can't do something, I'll go and find ten ways that we can, uh, and and surround myself with smarter people than me. And in in lockdown, everyone thought it was going to be three weeks. We all said when we got, it got announced that everyone's going into a national lockdown, we thought three weeks and we'll be back to normal life. Three weeks went past, five weeks went past. And when it hit the sixth week, I found out I had early stage skin cancer. And I looked around me and I lost my inspiration. I didn't really want to help youth anymore. And for that moment, I lost getting out of bed in the morning. I was uninspired. I had mass to feed and run an organization, but I just couldn't be bothered. And one morning, I listened to a podcast and I just got out of bed and flipped the duvet and said, Jack, your mission in life is to support others, is to help those who have not got ahead to get ahead. And I sat back and said, I just flipped that duvet. I just found my mojo again. I just found my mission, what I stood stand for. And I believe that everyone should have that duvet flip moment in the morning, whether it's for your family, whether it's for the kids, whether it's that you're working on a really sexy project for a new campaign. Everyone should flip that duvet in the morning and be motivated for someone. And ask the question, what do I want to achieve today and what do I care about? And your duvet flip on a Tuesday can be different to your duvet flip on a weekend. But have your duvet flip. And, and that duvet flip moment has really helped me get through the skin cancer. I'm skin cancer free now. And pushing that mission onto others to say, what is your duvet flip and why are you flipping it? And everyone should have one. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but one of your duvet flips, let's say, is to help other people find theirs. Yes, absolutely. 
It's a great way to think about it. Like a positive reason to get up, get out. It's not dragging yourself out in the mornings. It's you want to be out there. You know, you're excited by the potential of the day. I think that's a great, a great, a great way to start the day. I, I used to always have the door shut in my face. Growing up, I wasn't invited to any parties at school. I wasn't invited to the, the, the clubs. I wasn't asked to go out over the park and play. So I used to always have that door thrown in my face and my 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 personal mission it aligns with the business one is to knock down doors so others can walk through because i believe that we're all in front of a curtain and behind that curtain is access to opportunity is access to information is access to i don't know a, a new friend mm. so i see myself as the curtain opener what do you think it was that, that, because now you're, for the time I've known you, it seems to me one of your superpowers is exactly the opposite of doors closed. You know, you, people want to meet you. You know, you're a door opener. You know, people open doors for you. You don't have to push your way through. What caused that flip from having doors closed to doors opening for you? What did you do? Everyone says it, but resilience in leadership is so important, Chris. I, when I first started my first business, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a blue-eyed, spotty blonde was trying to give a business a go, uneducated, no business degree, and I just wanted to do something that actually made a difference. And every morning when I was living in Essex uh, with dad, I got up and I went to the local coffee shop and I reached out to as many people as I can. Can you meet me? I want to learn. I've got this idea to help youth. And just like in business, people are busy. They've got their own uh, missions in life. They don't want to meet. And I must have reached out to about a thousand people and literally no one came back. Not a single person. I did something naughty. I put two cups of tea. I loved English breakfast tea. You know, Chris, I, 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 went, when, I do know an obsession. It's almost an obsession. <laughs> tea on tap. I went into this <laughs> coffee shop and I drank two cups of tea. I took a photo and I put it up online. Great day of meetings. That day, those two cups of tea was drunk by me. I met absolutely no one. But he got a retweet and another retweet. And those people that retweeted it was three months, six months ahead of me. So I reached out using the t- retweet as a, a conversation starter and said, would love to pick your brains, tea on me. And some said back and said, I don't drink tea, it's coffee. But I said, okay, brilliant, let's have a coffee. And, and that's how it started. But I, then I, what I started doing is capturing the meeting. So I'd take a selfie of that individual and tell a story in the post. And it was all around association and showing what I was doing. And that is how the network side building. So sometimes you have to be resilient. Well, actually, every day you have to be resilient because mm-hmm. you get things in our face every day, whether it's a late train, whether someone's come to you and one of your team members have come to you with a problem. So resilience is so important. Secondly, it's reaching out and asking for help from your colleagues or other leaders and asking the questions. I'm a big believer from going from having all the answers to all the questions in everything you do. And, and that's helped my leadership.
you're fearless. I mean, meeting people and putting yourself out there. I mean, you know, a lot of what you describe is quite an intimidating thing for a lot of people. Do, do you feel intimidated by it or do you, do you sort of love it? Is it the opposite of that? I used to always get tingles in my belly when I went in to meet the CEO of London Stock Exchange or some, or went in to meet uh, a politician. So at the start, it's natural to get a tingle in your belly. I'm at a stage now where I don't get that tingle anymore. And the, the narrative has changed. I get 700 people a week reach out for a coffee. And you have to choose who you are going to meet because you can't add 700 coffees and we haven't all got that time. 700 teas? You must have had about 150 when, when I met you, so. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. And yeah, but, you know, you, you, look, you get to a stage where do I become fearless? No, I think I become focused. Mm. When you're in a meeting, everyone in that, the person you're meeting in the meeting is human. They got out of bed. They flipped the duvet for their reason. And you just need to, you need to listen and just come to the common ground. What is it you have in common? What is it that you're both in the room for? But the, and one of the learnings that I, I, I take away, taken away recently is the power of today is in the follower. Mm. So you can have a meeting and we can talk about changing the world. But if you don't follow up and you don't, okay, ooh, like you said, when we last sat down, okay, when you're in a meeting, sit down, who's needing the meeting? What is it you want to get out of the meeting? And then who's doing what when you leave the meeting? Mm. That's so important. You know, meetings actually have a, have a, I mean, you said you get rid of the word. I mean, I've got a lot of sympathy about it, but the, but the, the fact is, that there are, they can be an incredibly powerful way to, to get stuff done, but there's so, but so many aren't. And it's for those reasons. And the most important, I couldn't agree more, is if you do have a meeting, whether it be one person or 100 people, at the end, what, what happens next and who's responsible for it? And if you do that, then it hasn't been a waste of time. If you don't do that, it's, it's hard to argue that it hasn't been a complete waste of time. It's just a talking shop. It's what changes it from a talking shop to a, to doing, to, to a decision making for it. So on your website, you you call yourself UK's chief youth officer. Uh, what do you do in your day job? So what what does that mean? What does that mean? You fill your time doing in the mornings. It's all about how can we create more opportunity as the UK's chief youth officer. Whether that's my agenda, whether that's the government's agenda, whether that's an, an incentive agenda. How can I go out there and build more opportunity for youth and flip some of those duvets so more people? want to flip the duvet for youth. In the afternoon, it's all internal. Anyone who sits in front of you, that's a leader or a business owner or an entrepreneur that says their internal culture is absolutely perfect, they're bullshitting you. <laughs> absolutely. At 100%. 100%. Nothing is perfect. As a young leader, I'm still learning. Yeah. If you said, oh, what was your leadership so special? It's not so special. It might be special in moments because I'm honest, I'm very vulnerable, and I lead from behind, but no culture is perfect. So it's all about going in and looking at, okay, what are you working on? How I, I, become, a, I become a servant to the team. So I, I serve the team. What can I do to make your role better? What is it that I'm not doing enough? What tools do you not have that I need to get for you? And it's about, yet again, going from having all the answers to all the questions. 
So the afternoon is all with the team. How can we help them thrive internally? As a business leader myself, what, what advice would you give to me or other people in my position to to help um, change what we do, perhaps um, to uh, to help young people better fulfil their potential? Great question, Chris. And one thing that does really work really, really well with the younger generation when you're leading them is being transparent and being real. Young people like to deal with humans. They like, they like to know that at the end of the day, you like to watch Coronation Street or whatever it is, whatever you like to get on and mm. binge on Netflix, mm. whatever that is. They like their leaders to also be human and they like to see where the common ground is. So one thing that is important is transparency and honesty. A bit like your book, No Bullshit Leadership. Give them no bullshit up front. Yeah. Just be honest, be straight to the point. Young people respect that. Both parties sort of have to meet halfway. Organizations have to think, if we want to attract more young people from more diverse backgrounds, how are we going to change and evolve so that those people can come into our organizations and feel like they belong? And from the other side, which is you're coaching the people you're putting into these organizations to help them understand some of the codes and some of the behaviors uh, that, that they need to learn and adopt in order to thrive in that organization. And I love that sort of that, that duality. Chris, I'll, I'll say something. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this because you run Havers and I'm not getting paid to say this, but <laughs> I walked into Havers two weeks ago to meet you. The same cleaner is still there from three years ago when I walked into Havers. Now, that reads good culture to me. And it's that, that is that. Don't look at the shiny floors or uh, the slides or the beanbags. To me, that is what makes good culture. The cleaner from three years ago who plays a really important role for your organization, yeah. it's there smiling, say, and I actually said, hi, Jack, <laughs> really important. So you talked at the start, I asked you to describe your leadership style. I think you said bold, honest, and kind. I think I've got that right. They're really interesting values to choose. But leaders also have to make tough calls. Um, I mean, that, that is, I think that's what great leaders do, uh, frankly, and they do, but they do well, they do empathetically, but you have to do that. What's the hardest decision you've ever had to make as a leader? So one of the hardest decisions was I hired a good friend and I had to let a good friend go. And because that was in a lot of difference in terms of how you're letting someone go. Firstly, I don't like letting anyone go. In business, you have to. Yeah. It's, it's part of business. That was tough because it goes from being a business decision with emotion, a lot of emotional attachment and what do you do how do you do it how do you look that person in the eye and say i still want to keep the friendship mm. and how do you do it with grace mm -hmm. so that was one of the uh, a really hard decision that i had to do but also one of the best decisions i've made because mm. it made a lot it made everything else easier do you feel like it it i, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way but do you think feel like you developed as a leader, as a consequence of that, I, I talk about building, uh, building teeth, and um, you have to put some teeth into something, and it gives you a bit of a backbone. It gives you a little bit more oomph. 
And you can be the kindest person in the world, but if you're building a business, you do need a bit of oomph, you do need a bit of teeth. And I, I, I believe lead with kindness, lead with fairness, lead with honesty, but also don't be a pushover. And they're not mutually exclusive. They're, they're not mutually exclusive by any means. Uh, I, th- I think that's right. And in fact, I think some leaders uh, fail by trying too hard to be liked. And in actual fact, it often becomes counterproductive. You, you end up being disrespected in, in, some, in, in some ways. I just want to talk to you a, a bit about your community. You've got 1.7 million young people. Um, you've, I've heard you talk about them in the past as like a kind of tribe. Do you want to describe why to us? Our community is definitely a tribe. And they're a group of individuals. Some like tea, like me. Some like coffee. Some are brothers. Some are sisters. And they're a tribe because they all are going through the same thing. So you have a group of young people that are having mental health challenges and can't get a job because of mental health. You have others that are um, in poverty and or, or digital poverty, and they don't have access to laptops to apply for jobs. And that's a tribe. So they all they're all trying to get towards a goal, and that tribe is all facing the same situation. They're all human. So. I don't see them as numbers. Yes, we have a large community of 1.7 million young people, but they're broken down into micro tribes. Girls who can code, young entrepreneurs, tea drinkers. I'm in that tribe, as you can tell. And it, they, they all have something to give, but they all want to thrive. That's one thing. Young people do want to thrive. Yes. I went over before lockdown, the coronavirus came. I went and did a, a, a mini state visit in New Zealand. And the Minister of Employment, Willie Jackson, said to me, Jack, sometimes we have to boot the youth off the couch to show that they can stand. And I, I believe that. Sometimes we have to say, come on, rally, get up. You've got to, you've got to move forward and you've got, to, you've got to, let's see what's out there for you. I think everybody needs that though sometimes. I don't think it's just young people that need that. I think we all, I think that's part of what leadership is. Um, whether we're leading ourselves or other people, you know, we all at some point need somebody to, to say, come on, you know, we can still do it. We can still get there. You know, we all need that external motivator a bit sometimes. And, and, and the answer is not getting rid of the couch. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need the couch as well. Sometimes <laughs> you need. Sometimes yeah. us as leaders need the couch. Absolutely, it take five minutes. And I think that's really important because being yeah. a leader, you don't have to be this macho. And uh, I know all the answers, and nothing. I'm a tank, and nothing could take me down. Actually, every leader. If, if a leader said to me they didn't cry or get stressed, I'd say, you know what, you're bullshitting us. You, you literally are. Mm-mm. So. I've cried. I, 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 last time I cried was probably about four days, and 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 I'm happy to say that. Yeah, it might be quicker these times, and I bounce back very quick. But you have to be real. We're humans, and and I think that's a bit that leadership always taught in the movies. You get out the Mercedes, you get your drink handed by a PA, you go up, everyone moves out your way. That's not leadership. No, and and, and I think it's the story. It's a story that the movies tell that actually we have to stay away from. And it's the real hard graft and it's the actually being vulnerable, being honest and actually kicking some people with the couch now and then. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more about that. I mean, essentially, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because my, 
not only is what you describe not leadership, I think because it's so often portrayed like that or talked about like that, it, that, that, that it has this, it creates this sense of this elite or untouchable knowledge that you have to have gone to the right business school or you have to have, uh, you know, walked the corridors of Whitehall in order to be a leader. And, and you don't. And I think this, this kind of bullshit that surrounds the subject inhibits people who are in leadership positions from fulfilling their potential because they think it's this kind of closed shop. But I think worse than that, which is clearly your passion as well, it excludes huge swathes of society from thinking that they ever could be leaders. And so not only is it a false portrayal of leadership, it's actually a fundamentally detrimental portrayal because it, it in, it's inhibiting so many parts of society from aspiring to that in the first place. I agree. It's, it's like you said, Chris, last week to me. If you have people that you're responsible for and manage, you are a leader. Whether yeah. it's one or two or, yeah. or 5,000, you are a leader. And that stuck with me because it's so true. I agree. And, and yet, even though if you look at just across the UK, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people who, who fall into that description. If you have people you're responsible for, you're a leader. And yet, most people in those positions, I mean, I remember, you know, when I, you know, that was probably describing me like 18 months into my career that had a couple of people that worked for me, but I didn't think of myself as a leader. And I think most people in those positions don't think of themselves as leaders. And that's why I'm, that's really one of the, re the reasons I've become so passionate about the subject. It's not necessarily to talk to CEOs. It's to talk to this huge group of people who are like in the middle of their careers or aspiring to have great careers or aspiring to create change and helping them understand, you know what, the fundamental principles of leadership are difficult, but not complicated. And you can learn it just as much as anybody else. And not just that, but in learning it, you can massively accelerate, massively unlock your own achievement, your own potential and the potential of others. I mean, and, and I think fundamentally that's true. That's what I see you doing with your community. Totally. Amen. I agree. So we've talked about your community, but you also have a, a number of really, uh, you know, big household name um, partners who you work with. Do people underestimate you sometimes when they meet you? Because, because you're young. Definitely the underdog in the room. Do you think that actually you've kind of used that in your advantage? I think it's a superpower. Yeah. He's a superpower. No, I don't mind being the underdog. I don't mind. You can call me what you want at the end of the day. As long as I'm doing the right thing to help youth and doing everything uh, by the book and doing things the right way, even if it takes me 10 times longer, I'm proud. I won't compromise my values for anyone. What you see is what you get. I'm not the smartest person in the room, but you know what? I know someone who could help. Jack, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, my, my final question was going to be what's next, but you know what? Um, I, I feel like there's so much more. I don't know whether you could even summarize it. So we'll just sit and we'll wait and see. So I'm sure there's a huge amount more to come. So thank you so much for being on the uh, No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. It's been a real pleasure having you. Thank you for inviting me on. I'll say what's next. Cup of tea. You know. <laughs> Jack, thanks very much. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, follow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think and your review will help others find the show. I'm Chris Hurst and this is the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast brought to you by Intelligence Squared. The executive producer is Farah Jassat. <laughs>